exists to express a sacred story and to extend a common table that animate life by love. A primary expression of our sacred story is the weekly sermon. If our sermons inspire you to ponder the sacred, to consider the mystery and love of God, and to live bountifully, would you consider supporting our work? You can donate easily and securely at our website, pearlchurch.org, or follow the link in the podcast notes. Thank you for partnering with us in expressing this sacred story. God, we are faint and we are weary. We are exhausted by this world and at times by our very own lives. Help us, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. And please be seated. We are currently in a sermon series that is exploring our church's values. In light of everything that we've been facing, it's our sincere hope here at Pearls that our values can reground and retether us as a community. It's our sincere hope here at Pearl that our values can cast an elevated vision for the kind of life that we want to live uh, and that we desire to embody no matter what we face in this world. Because I think we would all agree that life right now feels like a ship, doesn't it? Riding out a wild storm and we risk being tossed to and fro without any end in sight. And yet below the surface, underneath, down at the soul level of it all is the clear and steady guidance of our values. Which we believe reflect the life of Jesus uh, who invites us into his way of being in the world. So far, we've considered our values of gratitude and inclusion, and this morning, we'll consider our value of renewal. About this value, we write, Jesus facilitated renewal through acts of justice, mercy, healing, and love. This renewal is personal. It is also relational, societal, and ecological. We therefore value renewing because renewal of any kind is participation with God, who is making all things new. I love this value, the belief that nothing is dead, the sincere hope that anything could rise up out of the dust, the audacious expectation that even this, whatever this is, could potentially, possibly resurrect. Just the thought of renewal in my weary soul begins to breathe just a little bit more easily. And yet my weary soul has some questions, right? And, and maybe your soul does as well, such as, what about all of this death? Or getting a bit more authentically gloomy, maybe we should ask, is life all death? Is that what life is in its totality? Like, is that our lot, death and decay and demise? Death, decay, and demise. It sounds like a poem, doesn't it, for the years 2020 and 2021? Maybe it could read, death all around us, decay within, demise, a grim den, closing in. When? When? Will anything ever change? I mean, just reflect over the last couple of years, we've had ludicrous politics. The realization of racial injustice everywhere. 
smoke hanging in the air, drought, never-ending COVID. Uh, that's a word that I've made up, never-ending COVID. It's a, it's a thing, right? And all of this makes for a world that truly feels like we're living in a world of death. And so that's where I'd like to start this morning. Is life all death? Is that the total sum of our human experience? And I guess to answer that question, it kind of depends on where you're looking. I recently read a poem by our resident poet, Carl Coppock, uh, who writes in his book, Sing Lost Soul, these words. Having settled some years back, when the sidewalk was still cracked, before the young man fell and sued and won, and the city paid and paid again for jackhammers and shovels and concrete and the arms and guts of strong young men and strong old men to man it all, a little seed, long silent, decided it was time. And growing up in just a three-day weekend, burst upon the world and cracked and ruined everything again. Isn't that a silly, playful little poem? I'll read it again. Having settled some years back when the sidewalk was still cracked before the young men fell and sued and won and the city paid and paid again for jackhammers and shovels and concrete and the arms and guts of strong young men and strong old men to man it all, a little seed long silent decided it was time and growing up in just a three-day weekend burst upon the world and cracked and ruined everything again. There's much that I enjoy about this poem. I think what I enjoy most is how it gets at the way in which a little seed, long, silent, bursts forth into this world. I mean, go ahead and pour concrete and get it as level as you can and, and then go ahead and let it dry. And yet, often, maybe even more often than not, up grows a little seed through the midst of a crack in all of that concrete. And we're told by physicists that the universe just keeps expanding. It's as if it cannot be stopped. Existence itself moving, pulsing ever outward. And even during COVID, babies are born and two people stand before friends and family to heartily declare, I do. And the ferns and flowers about to be covered by snow will burst forth yet again come spring. Because spring is always just a season or two away. And Lent Old cantankerous Lent lasts for 40 long days, but it's always followed by 50 days of Easter. You see, the church calendar, like Carl's poem, points to something that I think is true about the world, which must be foundational to everything. Everything. And it's this. Something cannot possibly rise from nothing. It sounds so simple, and yet it's so profound. Something cannot possibly rise from nothing. And so at its essence, this, like whatever this is, the totality of this cannot possibly be absence and death. No. Something cannot possibly rise from nothing. And so at its essence, this, whatever this is, must somehow, it must somehow at its totality be substance and life. It must be. Substance and life at the center of it all, for without substance and life, there can be nothing at all. There just can't be. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Resurrection and life bursting forth from tombs and death, whether that be a fern or a child or a relationship or the universe itself or our very own souls. 
Existence itself is moving, pulsing ever outward, inviting humankind into its magnificent march forward. And so, we write that one of our values here at Pearl is renewal. Jesus facilitated renewal through acts of justice, mercy, healing, and love. This renewal is personal. It's also relational, societal, and ecological. We therefore value renewing because renewal of any kind is participation with God who is making all things new. And yet as good as that sounds, as hopeful as that might feel, we are a little bit tired, aren't we? I mean, maybe we're also a little skeptical, right? Death all around us, decay within, demise, a grim den closing in. When? Will anything ever change? This reminds me of a curious parable in Luke chapter 13. It reads, A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit but found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? But the gardener replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Politics will never work. Cut it down. Climate change cannot be fixed. Cut it down. Society is terribly and tragically broken. Cut it down. My life is an absolute mess. Cut it down. This relationship that I'm a part of is causing nothing but harm. Cut it down. Cut it down, cut it down, cut it down, cut it down. It feels to me like we are all so tired and so angsty and so upset that cut it down is quickly becoming the first thing to burst forth from our hearts and minds and lives. And to be clear, I'm not saying that we should never cut it down. I mean, even the parable explains, if it bears fruit next year, well and good, but if not, you can cut it down. And so I'll talk about that in just a bit. But for now, for this moment, I'd like to just back up and briefly look at this bigger, more buoyant and beautiful picture. I think our ever-increasing propensity to cut it down as a first or as a primary response to whatever uh, appears to be dead reveals how tired we all are. Who has a weary soul? Only half of us. (laughs) There are a lot of weary souls. I think it reveals how much death we have all been witness to over the past couple of years. I mean, social media, news, emails, life. It's all so much bad news. And, and perhaps most of all, I think it's an unveiling of our own hearts that have come to believe that death is possibly the telos, the end, the ultimate end of life as we know it. But what if it isn't? What if existence itself is substance and life? What if dead things, to use biblical language, are merely asleep, just waiting to rise from their slumber? I mean, what if politics can improve? What if climate change can be helped? What if society can heal? What if my messy life can find some shape and meaning for today? What if this relationship can be renewed? well, then perhaps we'd all be a little more patient, wouldn't we? Filled with that intoxicating noun called hope. Perhaps we'd slow down a little. 
perhaps we begin to look at that dead fig tree, whatever that fig tree is in your life that is dead, perhaps we begin to look at that dead fig tree with newfound expectation. Perhaps we'd even begin to dream about a tomb covered by a stone that suddenly rolls to its side and out walks Lazarus wrapped in death rags, smiling and singing, hallelujah. I mean, it is possible, isn't it? Of course, it's altogether possible that the thing you think is dead is actually dead. <laughs> that's, that's also quite possible. But you see, cutting something down too swiftly may have the lasting effect of what if, and I wish, and if only, which doesn't bring humankind to flourishing. And so the gardener in the parable encourages, let it alone for one more year, dig around it, put manure on it. If it bears fruit, well and good, but if not, cut it down. You see, believing that the dead thing may only be asleep and then giving all that you have and all that you are to try and wake that dead thing up, well, it's then, it's in the fullness of your effort, it's then in the fullness of your knowing that the dream or that the work or that the relationship is truly dead that you become truly free to cut it down. And you know what that's called? When in hope and effort and blood and sweat, you come to realize that the thing must be cut down. Well, even that is an act of renewal. Even that is your renewal. It's your resurrection for you have actually passed through the death and into resurrected life. And so we write Jesus facilitated renewal through acts of justice, mercy, healing, and love. This renewal is personal. It's also relational, societal, and ecological. We therefore value renewing because renewal of any kind is participation with God who is making all things new. I'd like to conclude this morning by talking about the last part of this value statement, the part that reads, renewal of any kind is participation with God who is making all things new. You see, as I understand it, renewal is not owned by Christians. To be clear, I think that renewal must be part of Christian life. But we Christians do not have a monopoly on renewal because renewal is ultimately the work of the divine. And so in another place on our website, we write, our Christian posture is not against or above other disciplines. We highly regard every medium, religious traditions, the arts, science, psychology, philosophy, etc., that evoke human flourishing. We're therefore informed by these other expressions and we make, make meaningful connections to them while being intentional to remain deeply yet humbly Christian. And so, those non-Christians, those atheistic scientists, those humanist therapists, those agnostic philosophers, that secular movie or music or art, yes, of course, if the work of others evokes human flourishing, it is and will forever be divine work. It all belongs to God who is making all things new. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the Apostle Paul is writing about the Israelites who got lost in the wilderness because of their disobedience and had to wander for weeks and weeks and months and years. And in the desert, they were afraid, Paul tells us. And in the desert, they were worried, Paul tells us. And in the desert, they were terribly thirsty. And so Paul reminds us that Moses struck a rock. And as the story goes, water burst forth from that rock. Water came out of that rock. 
giving the Israelites the very renewal that they so desperately needed. And about this story, Paul writes that the rock had a name. And do you know what he calls the name of that rock? Christ. I love that. Christ, the rock that gives water. Christ, the scientist who helped develop mRNA sequencing. Christ, the therapist who helped to heal trauma. Christ, the philosophers that gesture everything toward the good life. Christ, the movie, music, and art that breaks open our hardened and weary hearts to audaciously hope that renewal is always possible. I mean, call it what you want. It's all around us. Christ, God, ultimate reality, existence itself, bursting forth in this world and in our own lives. Much like the seed you're bound to see breaking forth from the concrete upon which you walk every day, reminding every person that this life will not cease and cannot be contained. Let us pray. Oh God, we are faint and we are weary and we are exhausted by this world and by our own lives. And there is a propensity, especially now, to just cry out with every fiber in our being, cut it down. And yet, Lord, I pray that you would give us patience. Patience because we see and believe and trust in life itself as substance as something good, as something that lives, and that something that could even be woken in us and in our relationships and in this world even today. As we sit in quietness, Lord, I pray that you would help our hearts to once again audaciously hope in renewal. this sermon inspired you to ponder the sacred, to consider the mystery and love of God, and to live bountifully. If you don't already support our work, will you begin today? You can donate easily and securely at our website, pearlchurch.org, or follow the link in the podcast notes. Thank you for partnering with us in expressing this sacred story.